It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everybody. Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPile11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Driven by special guest today. He covers the uh, Seahawks for the Athletic, host the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, Michael Shaw Dugar. How are we doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm good, man. I'm good. After, uh, you know, yesterday where there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of potential negativity in Jets land. There was all of a sudden the reports started coming out. He might be a little worse than expected for Zach. He has surgery and is obviously, um, you know, now we're going to have that two to week, four week timetable. Joe Klecko, as of a couple minutes ago, is pretty much a formality getting the Hall of Fame. So there's some exciting stuff uh, for the Jets. How's uh, how's Seahawks camp treating you? Uh, it's it's, it's not too bad. Uh, the the quarterback competition hasn't been like stellar but it's it's about it's been as expected you know uh mike sandow shout out to mike has his annual quarterback tears where he goes around the country and interviews 50 plus executives and uh coaches and get a feel for how the league views quarterbacks gino and drew were 34 and 35 on the list the last two guys like so there's not a lot of expectations around the league i would imagine and through about two or three weeks of camp those guys kind of look like you know what, what you'd expect drew's got a strong arm Decisions aren't always great. Gino's got a strong arm, but he's pretty safe uh, with the football, with the bad luck here and there with some turnovers. So, yeah, pretty, pretty underwhelming. Um, but the draft class looks good, though. That's, like, been a positive for people kind of looking down the line. Yeah, I mean, look, we, uh, any Jets fan is very familiar with Geno Smith, obviously. The the ups and the downs for every Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons Monday night game, there is also the uh, – you know, there's the games where Gino had five interceptions. So uh, there's always that. Um, but obviously, you know, something that's kind of, you know, the Jets types to play Seahawks later in the year, and we'll get into that. But Dwayne Brown obviously officially signed. He's practiced very minimally the last two days, kind of getting himself into gear a little bit here. The Jets contract details came out. Um, Jets used void years for the first time under Joe Douglas, which was super interesting. I haven't seen the Jets use a void year since – I believe it's 2016, um, which is a new thing, obviously, going around the NFL. So it's a two-year, $22 million deal. Um, the year two looks pretty heavily guaranteed. So it's a true two-year deal, which is something I think everyone's a little surprised about. But you obviously got to watch Dwayne up close in person for a long time. But, um, you know, obviously more specifically last year. What should fans – you wrote a good article on it, but what should fans expect from him at this age? You know, how close is he to still being that really good player or is – you know, or a cliff, I guess? And um, – you know, does it make sense he's going right into left tackle, obviously, as opposed to moving over that, which is never going to happen? 
Yeah, the, the funny thing from the Seattle perspective first is that Dwayne moves George Fant back to the right again. You know, George was Seattle's starting left tackle in 2016, and he blew his ACL around this time in 2017, which forced them to trade for Dwayne. And then when George got healthy, they were just like, eh, well, George, we got Dwayne now. So to the right you go, uh, and George did it. You know, he's a good, good teammate. But then he was like, I need to get this left tackle bag. Uh, so it's kind of kind of funny, maybe ironic the word that Dwayne is once again moving George to the position he don't want to play. Uh, but Dwayne in 2021 was like really rough to start the year. And he, he'll even say it, you know, find his press conference before the Packers game, I think it was last year. He was like, yo, I've just not been playing how I'm supposed to be playing. And you can see it on the film. Like there's a there's a clip of like Marcus Davenport in the Saints game, I want to say week seven, uh, just putting Dwayne on his butt. And it's one of those are like, mm, Dwayne knows how to handle a bull rush. That's not okay. Um, you know, losing reps to Highsmith on the Steelers that I think resulted in a sack in week six. Uh, gave up a sack, I think, in week four, uh, maybe to Bosa, someone on the 49ers. Like, this, Dwayne hadn't given up. He think he gave up like eight sacks last year. He hadn't done that since his rookie year in 2008. Now, the second half of the season, Dwayne was actually really, really good. You can kind of tell he was like, all right. I didn't just start being myself again. I don't know if he just got healthier. Technique was better, according to some people who know O-line play way better than than I do. Um, so I think if the Jets get the second half, 2021 Dwayne Brown, oh, they're cooking with, cooking with grease. If they get the first half, eh, that 2023 salary is going to look like crazy um, for age 38 Dwayne Brown. So it really just depends on which Dwayne Brown shows up. My guess is somewhere in the middle. He'll probably be really consistent against young pass rushers or like inexperienced pass rushers or teams that aren't super deep but if the jets play like the browns like they probably need some help on miles or you know teams that have an elite guy if they play the steelers or anything like he'll probably need some help against those guys who are just freak athletes they're just better than they're better at their jobs right now than he is at his yeah it's interesting the thing is like the jets interior their offensive line should be their strength they have like thompson who you got to obviously see a lot you know the 49ers who's obviously a really nice player kind of recovering a fine center um if you just have an average center you're okay it's just you can't have your center be terrible um and then avt should be much better this year especially in pass pro he's you know didn't wasn't still wasn't great against fletcher cox but fletcher cox is kind of owns everybody so um i'm not going to take too much stock into that and jordan davis who were guys that the eagles have invested a ton of money up front like that's what they're good at um George Fan on the right side, I'm less concerned about. It's a different system than he played uh, under Adam Gase. You know, the Jets have better tight end play that can help chip, some, chip on some of these guys. I had concerns about Mekhi Becton playing right tackle, frankly. So, um, you know, it's the Jets were in a weird spot where, like, Dwayne was the best option, obviously, on the market, in my opinion. He's at least a veteran in there, too. You can you hope they can gel quickly. Um, I'm a little hesitant, obviously, as guys get older. Um, you know, I, I believe Dwayne didn't really practice a lot last year with some of the knee issues and some of the things like that. Um, I don't expect that to be an issue. The Jets last year with Mosley and guys, like, they barely practiced towards the end of the year. But um, overall, it's kind of interesting. And, like, George Fant now wants that left tackle money. And, like, <laughs> he got kind of paid. But, like, now he was really looking to get paid. And um, hopefully the team kind of rewards him for, um, you know, I think Connor Hughes put it as, like, anybody else besides Dwayne Brown, and he was just not going to move. Um, and I guess the amount of respect he asked for him, which is great. Um, you think it's a little crazy, like the relationship the Jets and Seahawks had now, like the Jamal Adams stuff, which gets talked about 24-7. Geno's there. Now the Jets have Fan and Brown and all these guys. Isn't it a little weird, like the relationship there? Yeah, and it goes a little bit further than back for that, too. Like my first year, they traded uh, for Sheldon Richardson um, in 2017 and sent Jermaine Curse 
up there, which was a big deal. Jermaine's got some of the most clutch um, plays in yeah Seahawks Packers history. that Packers one right, and then they he has the then he caught that right the overtime touchdown on a post route. Yeah, he caught the overtime touchdown to send him to the second Super Bowl. He caught a big touchdown in the NFC Championship to send uh, to help send him to their first Super Bowl. I think that was actually the go ahead touchdown there. He's got a couple other game winners he has probably one of the greatest super bowl catches that no one ever talks about in super bowl 49 where he bobbles and falls and gets up and gets them to the goal line before russ throws the pick so yeah that that jermaine trade was a big deal another one made out of necessity because malik malik mcdowell their first pick that year broke his face uh on an atv but yeah it's like the jets and the seahawks they'll when john snyder gets a team that he's interested in, in dealing with he'll just deal with you forever packers jets eagles uh, he'll just keep doing deals uh, with those teams if he has that relationship. So, yeah, we uh, I think they've traded for someone else from there, too. They've had some corners come over from the Jets. Oh, then DJ uh, Reed. I don't know why I just forgot about yeah. DJ Reed. Yeah, DJ Reed. Didn't did Michael Jackson play there? Yeah, uh, there's, um, there's somebody there's else, too. There's a corner too. that the Seahawks have that played uh, in the oh, Jets. Oh, no, it was in the Jets. And then they also, uh, in the Jamal trade, they got, uh, what's his name? Bradley McDougal, too, Bradley. Uh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Did, uh, uh, did Perry Perry Nickerson play for the yeah, Jets? Yeah, Perry Nickerson played for the Jets. He was a six round pick, everything like yep, that. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. Speaking... yeah they had, we had had him here for a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of Jet Seahawks crossover. Speaking of DJ Reed, um, you know, it's kind of one of those signings that I felt like went under the radar this year. I was surprised Seattle let him go. I think, admittedly, DJ was a little surprised that he ended up somewhere else um, from some of the comments. Um, Seems like a guy that, you know, has gotten better every year. He obviously played under solid in San Francisco. It seemed like whether it was injuries or other things kind of hadn't really clicked yet. And then all of a sudden it clicked in Seattle. And um, he's obviously a very interesting body type for an outside corner. Usually, especially in the scheme, obviously everyone thinks of the Sherman, um, you know, even sauce where like there's these really long athletic corners, obviously DJ reads five, eight, five, nine. So, um, you know, what was your kind of, how did you feel like DJ played last year? Was he as good as some of, you know, the film would suggest and, um, you know, what should Jets fans expect? Is he like a number one or number two? Like, where does he kind of slot in, you feel like, in a, in a good team? I think he's like a, maybe like a low-end number one. Like, he's, he was really solid, man. He's really hard to, uh, so in Seattle scheme, most schemes, honestly, is don't get beat over your head. You know, unless you're like a really aggressive team like the Ravens or Dolphins or something like that, that or maybe even the Patriots, we play a bunch of man, when you're just naturally going to give up plays. Zone teams are like, hey, don't don't give up nothing. And DJ Reed gave up a two. This is in 2021. He gave up a touchdown to Adam Thielen, I want to say, in week three, and then one to Justin Jefferson in that same game, and then never gave up a touchdown again. Like the biggest play he gave up after that was when he fell on a third down against MVS and the Packers in week 10. For the most part, that, that, that kid is really solid. Uh, his first year in 2021, he just played really angry because the, Pat, the, the Niners had cut him thinking that his torn pec would keep him out for the year. So he was like, that's messed up. Uh, he was like, my pec's going to be fine. He ends up coming back week eight or nine against the Niners, um, starting in the slot, and then picks off Jimmy G uh, in his first game. And you could just kind of tell from there, he was like, I'm on a mission to show that I can, I can ball this year. He was one of Seattle's best corners. He was why uh, in the offseason they were willing to let Shaquille Griffin walk to the Jaguars. Uh, heading into the 2021 season, they were like, shoot, we got this DJ Reed dude who's just as good for not even as nearly as much money. I think Shaq got like 13 plus per year. So I think DJ on the right side is really, really, really reliable. He makes up for the size uh, deficiency with really good short area quickness. 
that's something that really stands out when you watch his film. Like he's 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 got good timing and instincts and stuff, which most good corners do. But like he can move, he can shift really well. Whereas some of the big body guys can't naturally move their hips with some of these shiftier dudes. You know, when you play on the outside, the reason that you can do that at five nine in today's game is that everybody isn't Mike Evans. You know, they're not just a big X receiver only lining up outside the numbers, running goes and hitches. You know, you may play on the outside and line up against Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Keenan Allen. These are some shifty cats, you know. So a 5'9 guy can handle that on the outside. So I think that's what's really helping DJ to his feistiness, um, his his instincts, and the fact that, like, teams are moving around their number one receiver so it's not just a big-bodied X on the outside all the time. Yeah, plus, like, the Jets have the, the luxury of, obviously, Sauce Gardner's every bit of 6'3", and his arms are incredibly long, and he has that. Like, that's the most impressive thing for me is, like, he strapped Elijah Moore, who is as shifty as it gets, and, like, on the outside, like he's able to stay step for step with him. And like, because he's so athletic and at that size, it's just really, really rare. Um, was Sauce a guy coming out that you, I mean, obviously he wasn't going to fall. And I guess at one point he could have been a, a target for Seattle. Obviously there was a need for corner. I know some people floated Stingley at, at that spot. Obviously him and Sauce go three, four. Um, did you see anything from Sauce in the kind of that pre-draft process that you were like, I like this guy, or are you kind of like, hey, level of competition? I know there was some of that, some of that stuff that happened. Out. He still hasn't given up a touchdown yet, by the way. We're three weeks into camp, and he's now gone through his entire college career and then three weeks to the NFL and not giving up a touchdown, which eventually it'll end, but let's hope it lasts uh, at least a little while longer. I think Sauce was among like four dudes, I want to say four or five maybe, that the Seahawks were like, if this guy gets to us, we got to take him. We're not even going to think about it. I want to say it was Sauce um also it's really funny his cincinnati teammates are like insistent on calling him a mod like i don't think anybody yeah the jets don't call yeah the jets don't call him sauce like he hasn't earned that yet which i kind of like to be honest yeah i think because you know we got kobe bryant um up here in seattle i'm pretty sure kobe will like always call him a mod he's like this is all stuff now um but i think it was uh, it was sauce Derek, um charles cross obviously and then one of the other tackles i want to say yeah probably a corner Yeah, Sauce would have fit in great up here in Seattle. Uh, I think Sting- Stingley would have, too, either one of the tackles, Ickier or, or Charles. After that, yeah, I could have saw the Seahawks trading out. Um, they weren't going to take some of the other. They didn't re- need receiver that bad unless they traded DK. Uh, they didn't need some of the other positions um, that were up there. They didn't like any of the other tackles, I think, enough to take them at nine, like uh, like Penning from the, that ended up going to the Saints. Uh, so, yeah, I think he uh, Sauce would have fit here really really well they wouldn't have had him shadow guys i don't think that seattle scheme is going to allow that. i don't know what the jets are doing there but yeah he would have just fit in that like like i said in this scheme don't get beat you know don't give up touchdowns you know seattle started two rookie corner against the steelers week one Tariq willen blew a coverage for a touchdown kobe bryant got beat for a touchdown if sauce can just not be that you know then uh he'll, he'll be a great player for new york yeah and it's funny Tariq willen's a guy that i was like super intrigued about in at the senior bowl just because he is like literally the rarest of rare cornerback athletes like there there's no one that is built like him like he's got like i don't know i think he ran from the low mid low four twos he's six three six four like i mean his technique needs some work but um obviously he goes to a place and you know the seahawks have developed corners forever so um 
last kind of like, I guess, kind of off season going into the season, did you ever buy the DK was going to get moved stuff? And I know there was a lot of Jets links because the Jets needed a receiver and they were virtually in on, you know, they were in on AJ and Debo and obviously in on, um, you know, Tyree Kill. Did you buy any of that DK stuff? I felt like it didn't make, he's 24 years old. Like why there didn't make any sense. I felt like if if the the actual money and the contracts, like the practical money and some of the other deals had exceeded 28, 30 million, like as reported, then yeah. But I thought because of the practical, like for example, Devontae's deal on paper is what? Like five years, like 28 a year or something like that. I think Tyreek's is like four years, 30 a year on paper, his extension is, that's on paper. The realistic yeah, money is more around money. where DK's at, where age. Yeah, exactly. Like Cooper Cups is, is is in that same range. It's not like when in, in 2018, I think it was, or heading into the 2019 season, when Tank got $20 million from the Cowboys, that was $20 million, and, uh, $20 million a year. And the Seahawks were like, we're not giving Frank Clark that. So we got to trade him. Like if, if the real market was, all right, it's $27 million, $28 million to keep it. Yeah, so obviously, you know, we talk a lot about this kind of off camera, obviously, but, um, you know, there's YouTube quarterbacks, obviously, you're going to be seeing, you know, one, one of the more polarizing ones and Trey Lance, you know, obviously next, you know, for probably a long time, but at least for this year, uh, you know, obviously up in San Francisco, and then, um, you know, obviously, Zach Wilson with the Jets, you know, Mac Jones of the world, and obviously, Trevor and, and Fields and all that. Um, were you surprised at all that a Zach didn't did struggled a lot year one, and I guess, B, from a Trey Lance perspective, were you surprised he just, they kind of actually, for once, a team like actually sat that guy? You know, I know Mahomes sat and that was whatever, but usually these teams say they're going to sit these guys and take them through, and even Fields was on the field sooner rather than later. Um, were you surprised Zach struggled? And, you know, same with Trey Lance, were you surprised that they basically redshirted him a second straight year after not playing, you know, that year in college because of COVID? With, with Zach, no, just because I knew – like some guys are equipped to, it's kind of like college coaches with quarterbacks for me. Like you, if you need a college coach, there's like two types. There's like the types who can like rebuild a shitty situation. Like a Mike Leach, you know, I went to Washington State. We were a shit show. Mike Leach came and took us to bowl games a bunch of years, right? When we needed a new coach, we didn't need someone to rebuild the program. Mike left it in a good spot. There's a bunch of coaches who can just come in and not fuck up. You know what I mean? And so like, for example, Trey Lance is in a situation where he just, he has to come in and just kind of not fuck up because the, the infrastructure there is so solid. Zach, on the other hand, and Trevor, they're more even Justin Fields is like, no, no, we stink, guys. We need you to be Superman from the jump. And just every, rookies, that's just so hard to do for any rookie. You know, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like every every rookie struggles with that, I think. Even Kyler Murray uh, wasn't like super, super great at that. And that Cardinal team was bad, you know, his, his rookie year. So it, when when guys go to situations like that, like Zach did or like Trevor did, I never like it's just so hard to elevate everything because you're overcoming bad coaching usually, bad old lines usually, bad skill positions usually, like just dysfunction. If they're picking you that high, the team has got some issues usually. So I wasn't really surprised on that front with Zach for that reason. Same thing. I'm not surprised why Mac Jones was like looked competent, you know, because he went to a competent organization, you know, just. Uh, it makes sense. I said the Jets aren't competent, but it's just like the, 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 you know, the roster just wasn't very good. Um, so, but with Trey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I was surprised that they stuck with the Jimmy thing because it's not like Jimmy was lighting it up, you know, and then Jimmy always gets hurt. You know, he got hurt in the, the first game. I watched him live in week four and then Trey played the whole second half. Uh, so I was surprised they rolled with that uh, because that seemed like a nice, like, they had a safe out, Kyle did, and John Lynch. Like, oh, if Jimmy gets hurt, let's just roll with Trey. And he got hurt, and then they went with Trey, and then went back to Jimmy, which was interesting. Now their their decision was validated by making the NFC title game. But, yeah, I was surprised that the they didn't just use the injury as a reason to just transition to to uh, the rookie, which is what you see usually. This is how Baker got his job. That's how Justin Herbert got his job. That's how Deshaun Watson, I think, got the job. Yep. Like guys got hurt in front of them in two situations. It was Tyrod, which is interesting. Uh, guys just kept getting hurt in front of them. I think that's how Justin Fields got got going too. I think Andy Dalton got yeah, hurt. Yeah, Dan hurt, yeah. Yeah, so the 49ers had it right there. Boom, the guy got hurt, and they could have just rolled with Trey. I was surprised that they didn't kind of follow what everyone else had done, which is just use your throw your rookie out there once your starter gets hurt. Yeah, it's something that I know there's been a lot of, not even a rant, but like my discourse, the discourse around like both those guys today, specifically, I saw it on Get Up. And a lot of the New York radio stations were talking about is Zach already done in New York? Like, is his job done? He's had 13 NFL starts and like he tore, he literally has a bone bruise. Um, I'm not going to like be out on a second overall pick that the head coach and GM are literally their jobs are tied to virtually by 13 starts in which he played much better the last six starts. So like he had, a, he had a bad interception Friday. I'm not making excuses, but like, I really don't care what happens in the preseason. Zach looked like Aaron Rodgers in the preseason last year and then okay. went out and then threw three picks against the Patriots right away. So I'm putting zero stock into that. The Trey Lance stuff is the total opposite where he's barely even played in the NFL, played 16 college starts. And I like the talent and I like a lot of the athletic ability and Kyle is a genius and there's all that stuff is super true. The roster is very top heavy, but it's very good. But like, I'm not like Trey Lance MVP stuff needs to relax. Like I, I wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't that good last year in the, in the minimal time he played. And that division is no joke. At least you look at a Trevor where the AFC South is terrible. And, you know, maybe he can take a big leap with Doug Peterson. Or you look at fields where, like, he's in an impossible situation, so I guess it's not really a good example. But Mac and Zach are both in divisions where there's good defenses and good teams, but there's room to kind of fight for second there, I think. I just don't get the Trey Lance stuff in terms of this, oh, he could win the MVP this year. Like, where there's a lot of guys in front of him, and maybe he does it, but I would be floored if, if we're talking about Trey Lance winning the MVP in, in 12 months. 
Yeah, the MVP is a, a is a is a tough sell. You just gotta really, you gotta be like ungodly for a little bit of time there to to win it. Like you look at the guys that have won it recently, and they were you go back to Matt Ryan, Cam Newton. Uh, I mean, even the year Carson Wentz was probably gonna win it. Like Carson was killing it that year before he blew his knee. I think it was twenty seventeen. Uh, the couple years Brady or Aaron Rodgers' years, man. Aaron Rodgers last year was disgustingly good. You know, there's you got to be really, really, really good. And I think I'd be, I'd be curious to see how that 49ers offense looks with with Trey because the thing with Jimmy was as much as they made it easy for Jimmy, like a lot of stuff behind the line of scrimmage, like dink and dunk stuff to guys who were just yak monsters like Debo and George and even Brandon Ayuk, like they asked Jimmy to be really good on third down. Like you go look at third down numbers with Jimmy's starts over the last three or four seasons that he's played. Man, Jimmy's been nails on third down. Like, I'm talking pure passing situations, too. Like, third and four and up. Like, Jimmy is just money. Over the middle, money, standing in there. That is hard. That is very hard to consistently do. Um, that's Because that's where guys make their money. You know, that's one area Seattle was so frustrated with Russ. You know, as great as Russ is outside the numbers, but, hey, man, it's third and seven. Blitz is coming. We need you to hit this dig, bro, right here. Hit it. Stand there and he hit it. He refuses to throw over the middle run. of the field. He won't do it. It's specifically on the most important down of the game, too. And I think that's why, like, Jimmy G, he fits some offenses really well because he can do that. Like, if the they wouldn't do this because they drafted Malik now. But, like, if the Titans wanted Malik or if, or if the Bucks want, like, a Brady successor, like, some of the, those schemes that are just like, hey, man, you hit it right here in the middle with these big-ass receivers we got, we we can live. Uh, not, I, don't, I still don't think Jimmy's very good, but, like, I think that needs to be put in context. So, like, as as much as he had easy throws, he randomly excelled at like some of the hardest things in football. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see if Trey Lance is asked to do those same things. Because if he is, I would guess he struggles because third down's hard as hell in the NFL. Yeah, especially when you have that long ass Tim Tebow looking release um, that he has. But no, it's interesting with Jimmy. I played him in college, and I feel like he was super athletic. And I don't feel like he's anywhere near the athlete he was even when he came into the league. I know he's gotten hurt a million times, but he used to have like really, really good feet and like kind of was sneaky, like not going to run, but like he could evade pressure decently. And like, I don't see that anymore. So I don't know. I'm, I think the Jets dodged a bullet there. Joe Flacco will be fine. He's still, he's produced when he's played for the last couple of years. He's not a guy you want playing for 17 games anymore, but he has no problem slinging it around for, you know, throwing it 40 times and just taking shots. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, obviously. Um, I was kind of curious on terms of, um, you know, from the outside, I guess, looking in, like, Robert Sala obviously was in Seattle. He models a lot of stuff after Pete Carroll. You could tell by the way they talk at press conferences and the energy level and the passion and stuff you see on the sideline. He obviously was in San Francisco and, like, played against the Seahawks and stuff. Like, how do you feel like Sala is going to be able to kind of eventually do in New York? Because there was some good stuff last year. There was some, eh, that, that wasn't great, but he was a first-time head coach. Um do you feel like his ceiling's kind of really high still as a head coach, or do you think, you know, it's hard with just, you don't know the quarterbacks realistically long-term, and, you know, obviously the Jets have struggled for a long time now. I think every every coach's ceiling is tied to their quarterback uh, talent for the most part. Like, you're you're, you're just going to have a hard time winning a Super Bowl if, like, Yeah, Tomlin's one of one, and he's, his ceiling's diminished without a quarterback, too, even as great as he is. As with, with Tomlin, what's interesting is that his ceiling is not interesting as much as his floor. Like, his floor is high as hell. Probably the highest floor in the NFL. Um, uh, Belichick hasn't had, like, some super bad years in a while. Um, Pete Carroll really hasn't either. 7-10 and 10 is the worst he's actually had. So his floor is kind of high, too. Tomlin's hot floor is crazy. Like, you can give him guys named Duck, 
and he'll somehow not go, have a losing record, you know, which is insane. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Salah's ceiling is tied to his quarterback, but I do think where he'll be tested and where Pete was kind of tested last year is getting the messaging through when shit is hitting the fan consistently. Like everyone's hype, everyone's en- enthusiastic, everyone's optimistic in week four. Like, all right, are guys still going out there and ramming their heads into the opponent in week 14? In week 14, excuse me, in week 14 when we got nothing to play for? That's really tough. Like, does the culture withstand adversity? Pete Carroll has built up so much, like, credit in the league that he gets the benefit of the doubt. You know, know, there's kids right now on the team who, like, were in, like, elementary school when the Seahawks won the Super Bowl. So, like, Pete's still like a deity to them almost. Salah doesn't have that built up. Um, so it'll be that's the thing that it's it, it, now that you guys have open locker room, it'll be easier to measure with those guys. Like, do does the culture stay intact? Because the first, the hardest part is to build the culture, get a culture in place of accountability, you know, effort, you know, players really holding each other accountable without the coaches hovering over them. That, that's step one. Get that like a self-sustaining cycle of accountability, so players can shuffle in and out and it doesn't crumble. Establish that. Now maintain that if you stink. That is really, really, really tough. Um, the goal, obviously, is to avoid stinking. Um, but, like, everybody has their ebbs and flows in a season. So I think if Salah can do that, can it, can create a culture that can sustain through adversity, usually having good leaders in certain position groups does that. Um, I know everyone's obsessed with having young, fast guys on their team now. But, nah, man, that dude in year 12 is going to hold your locker room down, I promise you, even if he's not the best player on the team anymore. So... Uh, that that's like the thing I want to pay attention to with the Jets, at least from afar. It's like, can that culture withstand some adversity and can it withstand winning? You know, sometimes guys get big ass egos when the team goes on like a seven game win streak. Can you can your culture handle that too? Can you guys stay accountable? And and, and that that's gonna be Salah's toughest job. It ain't the X's and O's, man. When you're a head coach, it's all about culture and system. Uh, so I, from what I've uh, known about the few people I've asked about Salah, he can do it. Uh, but it, they're all it's all just guesswork, you know, because he's such a young new head coach. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the. Like, I think Dwayne Brown's going to be a huge, you know, factor in that room. I think the Lincoln Tomlinson's, I think, um, you know, they've asked CJ Mosley to be a lot more vocal this year. He's a guy that normally kind of is a reserved, like, he just plays really hard. And he's plays, you know, obviously until the stuff of the Jets, he played 17 games a year. And he was just a really instinctual player. And, like, they've got a lot of guys, the Jordan Whiteheads of the world. Like, these guys are either have won it or have won it all or been close to winning it all and, like, proven in the NFL, which, like, even last year and the years before, like they were obviously gutting the roster and stuff, but they were so young last year where it was almost like these, it gets great. There's like that bliss, ignorance is bliss or whatever, where like you don't know any better because you've never played in the NFL. But also like when you get blown out, like <laughs> it's tough to not come back and you got to take it personal. Like what happened against the Patriots, like there, if that happens this year, like there's something seriously wrong. And this like it literally might not be the right staff if that's what happens simply because like, when teams put up 50 on you in the NFL, like, and they're throwing in the fourth quarter up 40, like <laughs> they don't respect you. And like, that's obviously something that kind of has to, um, you know, come along, I guess from like a Seattle perspective, obviously the Jets, you know, in Seattle, the game is so far away at this point, these two teams could be awful. They could be much better than expected. Um, what's like the expectation or what's like the goal for the Seahawks this year? Because the playoffs has been the goal forever. They've had Russell Wilson, obviously, who I'm not as high on as, the majority and i think it's just because i don't always love a lot of the antics but obviously russ is a very good player um the roster is in a weird flux like they paid both safeties 
they pay DK, you know, and all this stuff, but at the same time, they're kind of bad at other positions they need to be good at, most importantly, quarterback. Uh, what's the expectation to kind of like, what's the outlook for the Seahawks going into 2022? I think it's a hard that, question, I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it just depends on like whose perspective, like the, there's people in the building who are like, now let's go win this thing. Like, and it's like, oh, okay. Um, there's some people in the building who are just like, let's just establish the foundation. You know, let's, some of these young guys we're going to play let's ha- let's see if they turn out to be some dudes because if they do we're in good spot like like you mentioned they've got some high price guys already quandre's making 13 million a year tyler lockett's at 17 jamal's at 17 dk's at 24. i don't think anybody else is in eight figures so that's a lot of young cheap dudes that if they turn out to be studs you have a really good foundation of players for some people in the building that's the goal let's see if these young guys can get it to get this done for some people probably mostly on the coaching staff they're like man fuck all that let's go win you know like my job is tied to winning, which is fair. Um, I think a realistic expectation is for these guys to be competitive. Be competitive all year. You're not going to win every game. And you're obviously not going to go in 17. Um, but what you can, you really don't want to have happen, which will test some of that culture stuff that I was talking about, is getting your doors blown off, man. Either by a good team or a bad team. Like, like the, the Jets stink when they play them guys. Like, you can't get blown out by the Jets. You can't. You know, the Seahawks go to Detroit earlier in the year. You can't get blown out by Detroit. Seahawks host the Falcons earlier in the year. You cannot get blown out by the Falcons. Like, getting blown out regardless is bad, but you always want to avoid it happening to a bad team and on national television. Those are, like, the two things your ownership will tell you. Like, hey, don't, don't embarrass us on TV. Like, that's the, the main thing. So I think, like, Seattle had a really good point differential last year. It was better than, like, three teams that made the playoffs. Um, and I that's probably the realistic goal here is – make sure that you're competitive in every game because if you're competitive in every game as you know the ball goes one way or the other you win field goal misses or not you convert some third down ref throws a flag or he doesn't like it's a coin toss at the end of the day and at the end of the fourth of uh, of an nfl game so like it's such a coin toss that now in overtime people want to eliminate the coin toss <laughs> they want to take the randomness out of it you know after that bills chiefs game so i think that's that's a realistic expectation for me and that's what i want to see like hey man don't don't embarrass the franchise, man. Don't get out there get your ass kicked. Uh, stay competitive, which is which is what they were under Geno Smith. You know they lost by one possession, I think, to the Rams. Uh, lost by one possession to the Steelers. Lost by three points to the to the Saints. They ended up with a positive point differential in Geno starts, despite going one and two. You know, it's in part because they smoked the Jaguars. Like that's the type of season. Even though you probably won't make the playoffs like that, you're not gonna win the Super Bowl. Like. That keeps everyone employed. That keeps the teams, the fan base semi-interested. You know, that means that some of your young guys did develop. You know, I don't, I'm not with the, the camp of people in Seattle who want them to just stink so they can draft Bryce Young, like number two or something like that. It's like, that means some guys that you just drafted suck, right? Or that you're paying a lot of money. That means they suck if you, you know, you're like two and 15. So uh, I think, yeah, be competitive. Don't get blown out. Uh, that that's that's like a realistic expectation i think for the 2022 seahawks yeah i feel like the jets and the seahawks are kind of in different molds where the seahawks are in a mix of veterans and um you know veterans that are in their prime that you're looking to like they're trying to make all pros they're like ready to win um as much as i know jets fans hate jamal adams like those type of players that are like 26 27 whatever like they're in like their prime right now right whereas like and they obviously the Seahawks are, you know, are going to keep accumulating picks with, they, you know, with the rust trade and things of that nature. Um, the Jets are kind of in the opposite mode where they tore it fully down and then like are on like they're kind of ascending. But like unless Zach or unless Zach's good, 
Um, you know, the roster is going to have to really like of all those young guys, the Jets drafted are awesome and they pan out and they like the roster looks great. And Zach's not the guy, at least they're in a good spot where they're a quarterback away. Whereas like years past, it's like, they don't have a quarterback and the roster also sucks. At least now it's like kind of, at least now it's kind of like, um, you know, at least we're in a decent spot, no matter what. Um, I'm not going to ask, well, obviously as we get closer to that game, we'll kind of do a prediction, but you know, the Jets have not had a great memories in Seattle. They obviously played there 2020 and it was not pretty. And then oh, the 2000, 2008 was, was a mess because the Jets were eight and three. I think they go into Seattle, they lose in a really Brett Favre threw one of the stupidest interceptions I've ever seen. He literally ran to one side of the field and threw it back all the way across the numbers to the other side behind the line of scrimmage. Um, not smart. Don't do that if you're a young quarterback. And then the Jets proceeded to lose five games in a row, missed the playoffs. Um, as much as they were the one seed going to that. But regardless, uh, yeah, not pretty. Um, I will ask, we'll, ask, we'll finish with this. Obviously, we're still two or three weeks out. I'm sure you have to give your NFC West predictions. Uh, if you had to pick right now how the NFC West kind of lines up uh, going into uh, going into the playoffs, how would, you, uh, how would you say it lines up? I still think the Rams repeat as the division champs, but I think it's an easy pick, obviously. Yeah, I think the Rams, the Rams will probably uh, repeat. I think they have the most, the best quarterback head coach duo, which that usually will win you the division. I mean, that's that's in part why the Seahawks have so many of them uh, over the years. I think they have they have that going for them. I think they have the best defense in the division. I think the Niners should be okay. I need to see what their corner situation looks like. Um, so then after, the, so I think I'm actually gonna pick the Niners number two. I just like the the Niners roster, man. And like you call Kyle Shanahan a genius, I think so too, man. Kyle Shanahan and McVay, they're both really good at being good at whatever your defense ain't good at defending. It's just like a really, I mean, which is like duh, but it's hard. not every coach does that. Not every coach will be like, oh, you got this one weak spot. Your inside linebacker is uh, slow to react. Watch all these fucking power runs we send at him that he can't defend, you know, like that's just, that's really unique. Like look at the title game in 2019, the MC title game the, the Packers had some linebacker who was just like a step slow, forget his name. And boy, they ran at him all game for like 200 yards. Like it was it's absurd. So I like the Niners number two, I like, I like the Cardinals number three, just off talent. Um, I think Kyler's actually really good uh, despite his study habits. I just think that, that, that dude, I've never really seen arm talent like that like he's just he can put it on a rope man and he can throw on the run he's just you, you can see why he was just probably arguably the best college football player ever out of the state of texas like that's that's a lot it's like the biggest compliment you can ever have in football really other than being a hall of famer so i like the the cardinals uh and then yeah seahawks bringing up bringing up the rear just because i think in this division you're gonna either want a really dominant defense or consistency at quarterback you know, kind of consistency don't have, yeah. Is yeah like as much as as much as i can nitpick about russ with most people as most people can russ was very consistent and that's ultimately what the good players are in this league everybody has talent that's how you made the league and everyone can have a good game or two games can you have 16 or 17 good games in a row you know can you do that as a left tackle right tackle as a corner as a center as a quarterback as a receiver like that's that's where you become great is you consistently do it. It's not just you just really talented, you know, like can you consistently kick ass every week? So I don't think the Seahawks have that at the most important position. So 
and they don't have the infrastructure, I think, to compensate for that. Uh, so like the like the Niners do, I think, if Trey has ebbs and flows. So, yeah, I got Rams, Niners, Cardinals, Seahawks. Yeah, no, I, I would probably – I'd probably go the same way. I don't have anything against Kyler or Cliff Kingsbury for that matter. I just think that, like, the ceiling of that team, like cornerback for the Cardinals – I don't know who's playing cornerback for the Cardinals. Like, are they still going to – like, I, I just don't – there's just a lot of question marks there and like, the playoffs – I don't really care what the study habits thing unless it affects you on the field, like unless it starts to show its face where like it does a little bit when the second half of the year, it keeps happening where like you're declining is usually because the season gets long, your fo- your focus and how much you're studying and things can wane a little bit. And um, kind of your point before, how do you, you mentioned like, how do you handle success? The Cardinals have been really successful first half of the year, last couple of years and it's faltered. It's like, maybe they don't handle success well. Like they're a team that, you know, once they get out of run, they get lose focus where, um, you know, we'll see, obviously the Matt Stafford stuff's a little concerning. Like that sounds a lot like a pitcher that's about to have his arm blown out. And, um, yeah. you know, obviously I know you're a baseball fan. The Mariners obviously are exciting right now, but you know, it's, that's, that's concerning. Like he's not really able to throw <laughs> and like the season's in two and a half <laughs> weeks, three weeks. Right. So, um, and that stuff doesn't go away. The more you throw and the more you get hit in the game, um, the Niners, I just, I'm a little nervous. They're a little top heavy for me, like one or two injuries. And all of a sudden that roster, you're like, mm, this isn't quite the same roster, although they are really good. And like, they've developed guys, but like, they're like, they've had to pretty much pay everyone now. Uh, Bost is, I guess the only guy that hasn't gotten paid. Um, so we'll see what happens, but yeah, I mean, Kyle's a genius. And so is McVay. And I guess Pete's kind of a defensive culture genius. The, the division has four either is depending on how you feel about Kingsbury, they're good or great head coaches. Um, Obviously, you know, it'll be an exciting year regardless. You have to see either watch a bunch of really good football or it'll be bad and it'll be kind of entertaining to cover. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, make sure you guys are, you know, following, um, you know, it's Mike Dugar on, on Twitter. Um, you know, obviously, again, the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, um, you know, as well as obviously all the work you know, doing at The Athletic. Um, and obviously, you know, as the game gets closer between Jets and Seahawks, we'll obviously have to, uh, you know, kind of do this again. Hey, you got to come on the uh, Seahawks. Yeah, Seahawks I'm down, pod. man. I'm down, man. I was going to have uh, DJ do it, but he left and went yeah. to the DJ's Texans, too famous, so. bro. He's too famous. He left me in our pod. Now he, you know, he stood you up and it's like, I'm after, he might get his, uh, he might get his, his friendship revoked here soon. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I, actually, that would have, before he left and Connor left, that might've been a great time to put, put DJ and Connor on our pod together. I know. And have just him, have a big ass Jamal Adams discussion. Oh my good God. <laughs> No, it's yeah, uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's there's a whole documentary series to be done on the Jets hating Jamal Adams, man. Well, it, that, fans. It's Not just the organization. It's just I, I man, that uh there was that two week stretch where he went on uh he well he leaked the whole article to manish which which i that stuff happens i'm not going to give him a hard time about that although there could have been better ways to handle it but whatever um and then it was like he went on a podcast then he went on with darius butler and um and patrick peterson and like was like yeah i'm depressed every day like and he's like my dad's upset about me for losing and everyone's like bro we are upset about losing watching you lose too um and then he went on and was like this is the best day of my life and then you know obviously 2020 happens and he gets burned for like two or three touchdowns by Edelman or whatever that was week one and everyone's freaking out. It, it's been a, it's a ride. It's, and then he gets paid and the, the Jets don't pay Marcus May either. Crazy that they drafted a safety in round one and two. They both are awesome and they didn't, and they both got moved, but whatever. That's, I guess, another day we can hunt, discuss yeah. that one. <laughs> the value of safeties, but uh, no, I appreciate you obviously hopping on and um, you know, obviously make sure you guys are, make sure you guys are subscribed, tuned in. 
Um, we'll be back Monday, probably record late Monday night after the Falcons Jets game, um, unless something crazy happens. Hopefully, no injuries. So, um, talk to you guys. Uh, talk to you guys Tuesday.